This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing high ball! Built to right center! And the Braves have won it! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. A walk-off homer from Freeman, and the Braves win it! Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves digital media content manager, virtually via Zoom, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, we are we're lucky we get to work with a great media relations department with the Atlanta Braves. They do a great job of uh getting players uh, interviews and press conferences and working with Alex in the front office and all that good stuff. And they've always been great about working with us. And pretty much anytime we have a request or we're like, Hey, we'd really like to speak to this player, uh, Jonathan Kerber and Beth Marshall and that whole staff, they, they pretty much, they, they're always right there to work with us. And this week is no difference. We said, Hey, we'd really love to talk to, to Charlie Morton, a uh, longtime big leaguer. And we're, Glad to have him back with us this year. We really like to talk to Charlie. Is that possible? And uh, man, they made it happen right away. Uh, so we just got we just got done well about fifteen minutes or so with Charlie. And I think uh, both pitching and music. I'll just spoil it a little bit. We talked a lot of pitching and we talked music. And I think I could have listened to him talk about both of those subjects for uh, a couple of hours easily. I think so. Uh, he's clearly passionate about both of those things. Uh, uh, as are we, as are you. And so I know he's somebody that's been on your list for a little while and we just finally got around to it, worked out for our schedule to, to get him on. Um, what about Charlie and his, his career and his pitching style? Do you, do you enjoy watching? Man, there were so many more questions I wanted to ask him. I wish we would have had him for 45 minutes. Um, but you know, he made a, he made a conscious decision to change his pitching style Back in the day, you know, he was, he had, I mean, of course, he's had a long career, 14 years, but he spent, you know, five or six seasons in the minor leagues. And that's, um, that, that to me tells me a lot about just, um, you know, he, he really honed his craft to get, get to the big leagues. He had, he had some bad luck with some injuries, talked about his hamstring and some different things he had early in his career. He was kind of plagued by some injuries, but then man, he, the second half of his career, he's really taken charge. And I think he credit, I read somewhere where he was crediting the fact that he really switched from a sinker baller to a four seam type of guy. And that's why Houston signed him. And I was fascinated by that because typically he changed or what, if you look at his career, he changed into the modern day pitcher 
with spin rate and high velocity. Whereas when he was brought up, they were trying to make him like Roy Halladay. I mean, really a sinker baller, even though he had a strong arm and he was trying to get ground balls. And he kind of alludes to that during our interview about how he had more fun really kind of manipulating the ball. But now he's just kind of a power guy and he's kind of made his name for himself, even though I love it when he starts throwing sinkers and he still can do that at any time. But he's typically your four seam power guy up in the zone with a big curveball. And that's kind of your modern day pitcher. So I've just been kind of fascinated by that, how he made the adjustment, because obviously, you know, the way I pitched, I couldn't just all of a sudden become a power guy. It just wasn't in my DNA. But for the, for him to make that switch is fascinating to me, and I really would have liked to get into that, but we just didn't have the time. Yeah, he's been great. You know, I, I'm he's obviously he's here on a one year deal. He's somebody that, regardless of how the rest of the 2021 season plays out, I mean, as we're recording this, we're three games into this five game series with the Mets, one two of them so far, and very hopeful uh, that we can win the, the next two because that would certainly be a nice way to go into the trade deadline. Um, but regardless of how the rest of the season goes, he's somebody that I really, I really hope, um, I really hope he's back next year. I think that's something that you can't, well, I was going to say you can't put a price on. You literally can because we know what players make, but it's something I, I, I feel like every rotation you need you need at least one guy that is the veteran anchor. guy. You need the anchor. You need that anchor. And when and I don't, I, I I'm not throwing out the word ace on this. It's anchor, as I like that word much better. You just need that guy who has been there, done that, knows who he is, knows what what he's doing, and is just that guy that is the anchor of well, the staff. Well, think about it. He's n- he's not showing any signs of slowing down at age 36. Okay, so he's throwing just as well as he's thrown for the last four or five years. What we saw in Houston, what we saw in Tampa Bay is what we're seeing now. Maybe he's dropped a couple miles an hour, but but not really. I mean, he's got so many more pitches. He's being able to utilize that curveball so well and utilize the sinker along with that four-seamer. I mean, he has pitched unbelievable there, there were a few times during the season where he's given up the long ball and, and you know, and it's it's hurt him later in the games. But for the most part, you know exactly what you're getting from Charlie when he goes out there. And he has been just as consistent as you could expect from from a guy with his track record. And I know Snit and, um, and, and Kranitz and these guys, they, they love having him out there because, man, he just goes day in and day out. He does his job. He's a leader. He's a veteran. He's the anchor. All those things that you want from a guy. And then you know, you guys, guys, guys like Freed and and um, you know, it, it, and Noah comes back and Soroka comes back. I mean, you've got all these guys that that can build around him. And you would love for that guy to be Soroka, but it just hasn't worked out that way. You'd love for that to be Freed, but Freed struggled early on. He's still a young pitcher. But to have a guy like Charlie who can be kind of a calming effect, and we talk about that a little bit in, you know, in the interview, I just think it's been great. And I, he's per, a, a great candidate for to come back and to pitch. He's not costing you a lot of money, but, boy, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck from him. Absolutely. You know, I think every time, so me and working with the social media side of things every day, I'll, I'll get the lineup 
And then we take the lineup and we make our lineup graphics and that's posted across all of the Atlanta Braves social media channels and all that, that sort of thing. So every day, like when, when the day's lineup goes out, we'll go in and go ahead and prep for the next day's lineup as much as you can. Now I don't know, we don't know what the lineup is until the next day when it's made, but you can always, you'll always pretty much know who the starting pitcher is. And so I'll go ahead and put in the starting pitcher's name. And it's that old thing we've heard a zillion times in baseball. Like, what what do you really want from your starting pitcher? You just want them to give your chance, your team a chance to win. And I can say with complete honesty, every time I put that name Charlie Morton in our our graphics, I'm like, we got a chance to win today. Not that I'm the eternal optimist, and that I always wake up every day thinking my team's going to win no matter what. That's just. I don't think I could live the other way. I think that would just be too dreary for me. Um, so I really do truly believe it. every day when I wake up, Braves are going to win today. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is that extra bit of confidence when you see the name Charlie Morton in that ninth spot that, uh, you know, we got a chance tonight. This is this, we have a good chance. To we have win. a good chance tonight. <laughs> he, you know, he's going to he's more than likely he's going to mm-hmm. give your your team a chance to win. And that's really at the end of the day, I think all you can ask of mm-hmm. your starting pitchers. So um, really excited to get him on a thoughtful, thoughtful guy um, and very I, I really just enjoy his, the way he answers questions because he's kind of – he's not giving us cliches. He's literally – he's kind of sitting there really thinking about what he's saying, processing what he's saying, and I appreciate that about him. So. Yeah, me too. Well, without further ado, let's get right to it. Here he is, Braves pitcher, Charlie Morton. Check of the runner, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Another curveball strikeout for Charlie Morton. He strands Conforto, who has the Mets' lone hit. Well, hey, Charlie. Uh, appreciate you joining us on Behind the Braves. Uh, we know you, you've been busy. Uh, especially last night on the mound, enjoyed watching you pitch, and uh, now you're got your recovery day and get prepared for the next start. And, and we were just talking a little bit about what that recovery kind of looks like. And and one of the questions I had, I was just kind of curious. Uh, back in the day, I guess we there was a lot of emphasis on running, you know, a lot of cardio and and getting that blood knocking out all that lactic acid and all that kind of stuff. Is that still the case, or do you guys uh, do some some different things these days? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely changed a lot. Um, for me, it was somewhat out of necessity. I'd had two um, hip surgeries. I had a um, also had a hamstring surgery that doesn't necessarily limit me from running, but um, you know, like I'm in my mid late thirties. Um, you know, the back, the knees, the hips. Um, <laughs> You know all that. I'm I'm definitely trying to take care of it more and more every year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, not I don't see a ton of guys really running a whole lot anymore. You know, I think there are some guys that it was part of the routine when they were younger. Um, certainly in the the time when I came up, that was still a big part of it. You know, the, you go pitch, and then the next day they have you run for a half hour, and then lift, and then you know, upper body the next day. And then day three, you might even do another lower body lift the day off and then pitch. And it's looking back I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like hmm. you, you, when you pitch your, um, you're exerting yourself so much and over so many, so many reps. And then you get in the gym the next day, then you throw a bullpen the day after that. And then you get in the gym the following day. So really you have one day where you didn't really do a whole lot of anything. And, um, and you're, so you're expected to do that for like six months, you know, not including spring training. 
Um, so that's a lot, a lot of work from, you know, if you're getting into the gym in mid, late November after a season, and then you're going in, in theory or hopefully into late October, um, that's just a, a ton of work. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I think it's that's that part's kind of phased out for the most part. I I don't really run long distance anymore. Um, there's just no time to recover. Like I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that I've I've benefited from scaling back on the impact stuff, like getting out there and running long distance. Uh, my back feels better. My knees feel better. My hips feel better. Um, and more focused on strength training and just low impact cardio. So like, I know guys that, that do nothing. I know guys that are very, very good pitchers that throw a lot of innings every year that do, really don't do a whole lot of anything in season. Um, so I think it's just the, um, it just should be tailored to the individual, but I think that certainly there's arguments for both. And um, I'm just trying to find that delicate balance. Hmm. Well, hey, I watched a guy for many years and play with a guy named Greg Maddox, and that was his workout. Nothing. <laughs> he, yeah. he did a lot. I mean, he's like I said, you can't pull fat. You know, you're just uh, – there's a lot about – there's so much stress, and there's something to that that, um, you know, I just don't ever remember him doing a whole lot from the standpoint of just preparing to pitch mentally, you know, and, and throwing on the side. Yeah. Well, I think it also depends on what what your game is, the, the what you're – what the, your game um, calls on you to do. Like if you're a stuff guy and you need to have that, um, you need to be able to throw hard every single throw. Like you need to um, be able to, you know, challenge guys with the heater, spin the heck out of your breaking ball um, or your slide or your curveball. Like guys that are just stuff guys, I definitely – I definitely think that um, you have to do what you got to do to maintain your stuff. And then there's guys that um, that are kind of picking at the edges of the zone, even less so nowadays. Um, the strike zone is just tiny, you know, it's just small. The hitters are and, and hitter swings um, have changed. You know, the bottom of the zone isn't really what it used to be. So, I mean, what are you going to ask a guy to do? Like go out there and, you know, I don't know, upper 80s, you know, front door, back door, you know, at the top of the zone, you know, kind of mixing sinkers at the bottom. I mean, guys are doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just not the it's just not the bread and butter of of the of the league as a whole anymore. Um, and I mean, I know there's a lot to be said for like the old school way of pitching, like the art of pitching. Um but the reality is nowadays you just have to be able to challenge guys in the zone. There's just no way around it. And um, I mean, I think we're doing an okay job. I mean, I think, but I, I keep hearing how offense is in an all time low and there's gotta be more offense balls put in play. Um, and then um, concurrently there's a, there's an argument to be made that pitching the art of pitching is lost and it's like, well, what do you want? Like, do you want us to limit runs or do you want us to try to get calls four or five inches off the plate every time we, we throw? Like it just, 
I mean, I would have a lot more fun, I think. Um, and I have had more fun when I was manipulating the ball and I was throwing sinkers and I was, you know, making the ball move a ton laterally and I was getting calls that were, you know, whatever. But but now I think just the reality of the game is that you have to be able to challenge guys in the zone. Yeah, go ahead, Ricky. Well, Charlie, I, I one thing I wanted to ask you is that you've already had a, I mean, a, a long, illustrious big league career, and it seems like the further you've gotten into your 30s, the better you've gotten and the better pitcher you've become. And you've shown it not just throughout the season, but in October. We've had a lot of guys with the Braves who are young pitchers up and coming, some who have had that really tough, that tough task of bouncing back and forth between Gwinnett and Atlanta and trying to get established and everything. I, I, I'm just curious, do you talk to some of these younger guys or what advice would you have for pitchers who are just trying to, trying to find it, trying to establish themselves and not just come pitch up here, but stay here? Yeah. Well, and those are, those are all different issues. Like, cause um, like you would think that, you know, pitch well and everything will take care of itself. That might not always be the case. And um, you might get traded. Like you might have to spend some time in AAA and um, you might bounce back up and down. I, I don't feel like I ever really had to do that. Like I felt like when I was in AAA, it's, it's because I should have been in AAA. You know, I, there were, I mean, I can remember maybe a month or two where I felt like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm jammed up here, but really um like my first couple months in triple a in 08 i needed to be in triple a i never really had any success in the minor leagues so i'm kind of glad i didn't get called up and then um i didn't make the team in 09 at a spring training um i was pitching really really well in triple a and the the staff here was really good and I mean, it was, it was a couple months, you know, and then I got traded out of AAA. I got sent to the Pirates. And then, I mean, I, I basically had an opportunity at the Pirates for the next seven years. You know, I, I think I spent some time in AAA um, because I pitched terribly in 2010. Um, I dealt with some injuries, so I um, I went on a few rehab stints. Um, I've, I've thrown a lot of minor league innings, but I think um, – that was because I needed to. Um, a lot of the guys today, um, I don't know, especially with some of the organizations that I've been with, primarily the Rays, um, the guys that were coming up and down, you know, pretty much every other week. Uh, I think there was an understanding there that they were actually part of the big league club. Like they were on the team. They just couldn't be, couldn't be there in the locker room with us just that's how the Rays were operating at the time <laughs> um, but there's really nothing that can be done I mean you you just got to kind of grind it out and you know every time you get the opportunity you got to try to make the most of it and you also have to you, you got to get a little lucky and you also have to have an or be part of an organization that believes in you um, so that's just all um, that's all part of it. But at the end of the day, it, I mean, the old adage, like you know, everything will take care of itself. If you, if you pitch well, um, that's true. It's just that you have to uh, 
be willing to to stay patient and just keep grinding. And whether that's a call up to the team that you're the organization that you're with, or you get traded, um, you know, eventually it should work itself out. But it's it's not really a complicated thing, I don't think. Yeah, we've talked uh, on this show a lot about leadership, and of course, there's a lot of buzzwords, and we're talking about success and the winning and all that kind of stuff. And in your role right now, you've got a lot of young pitchers around you as well as young players. I mean, do you feel like that? Oh, I, I should say, just how do you how do you see yourself as a leader on this team, especially on a pitching staff that that probably. Um, you know, even though they've had some success, I think they always need a guy like yourself that's had, that's been successful, you know, world series champ and pitched for 14 years, all-star and um, they need some of that. How do you see that role for yourself and being kind of on this pitching staff? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that I'm, um, I care about the guys on the team. Um, I care about the guys that are part of the pitching staff. I care about guys that are fellow starters. Um, I want to get to know each guy and have a good relationship, an individually good relationship with each guy. And um, and that's and really just try to give time when it's asked of me. Um, try to be there um, to support guys and. Just try to try to play the game the right way. Hmm. Um, I've never been a vocal person. I've never been very assertive, especially in a, a clubhouse setting. Um, and that's something that I've tried to work on. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I feel like I'm I'm able to help guys when I'm just being myself and I'm. I'm able to listen and give the opportunity to have conversations with guys on an individual basis. And I've been really lucky the past few years to, um, to be challenged that way and to have the opportunity to, to talk to guys, spend time in the dugout with guys in the locker room, you know, watch bullpens, talk about pitching, um, just talk about life. So that's, that's really uh, what my goal is each day when I get to the field, I'm trying to be um, as good a teammate as possible, not just to the pitchers, but to everybody. Um, try to make guys feel comfortable around me and that um, I can be part of the bigger picture, not just on the field, but in the in the clubhouse. So I think I have a really good relationship with the guys in the, in the clubhouse. I think that... Um, I have a good relationship with our, our pitchers and our starters. I think we spend a pretty good amount of time together. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly something um, that I think I'll, I'll always regret that um, I, w I was maybe too quiet at times and I wasn't um, assertive or comfortable enough to to have conversations with guys. Um, maybe it was just to ask questions or share my thoughts, but, um, you know, that's, that's come with time. Um, uh, but certainly now I've, I've definitely enjoyed myself a lot more in, in the dugout and in the clubhouse. Um, but I guess that's, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. 
Well, uh, Charlie, last question, then we'll get you out of here. And it's it's not baseball related, but I just one of the things I've loved about you is seeing your interest in music and playing guitar. Greg and I both play guitar. I don't play well, but I enjoy playing. I haven't we've threatened our fans that we're going to play together sometime on the fans that our listeners, I should say, but haven't done it yet. Uh, your warm up music one of our former guests, one of my favorite musicians out there jason isbel just kind of curious how did you first get into uh playing the guitar and in music and and how often do you play now um so my mom listened to a lot of motown music growing up and my dad listened to a lot of rock music you know he like the classics i was a big beatles fan i grew up on bruce springsteen and um when we moved to uh when we moved to Connecticut, um, you know, I guess we were like growing up, I listened to, I don't know, like around middle school, um, some of the grunge stuff that was coming out. Um, we'd also spent a, a good amount of time in the Charleston area. And um, there was a, a blue, there was a, a, a bluegrass band that this, um, this oyster roast we used to go to. And uh, for some reason, I've just started a lot of those songs were are still in my head. Like I can still remember a lot of them. And maybe the sound, because uh, it's a very distinct sound of bluegrass, obviously, um, coupled with some of the interest that I had in, um, you know, like some of the songwriting from Bruce Springsteen, you know, or, or Billy Joel, like when I was growing up or even the Beatles. And then um, I started listening to country a little bit um, in high school. And then when I started playing, when I got to Gulf Coast League, I was introduced to um, Chris Knight and uh, Pat Green. So it was like a little bit of like a singer songwriter, Kentucky, Chris Knight and Texas, Pat Green. And so I, I started getting into uh, Texas country a lot. And, um, and I started following Chris Knight really closely and listening to a lot of his stuff. And that led to John Prine, um, some other singer songwriters <laughs> and the common, the, the combination of, you know, cause you know, the red dirt music isn't really all that different. In fact, Chris Knight spent a good amount of time in Texas. I saw him down in Billy Bob's <laughs> and I wound up seeing in, uh, in 06, I, I remember seeing, um, uh, Chris Knight opened up for Robert O'Keefe. And that was in like a middle school auditorium in, in um, Westport, Connecticut. Um, I got to see Pat Green play in New York City. I got to see Stoney LaRue play at Peachtree Tavern in 09. Uh, I got him to see him again at Nutty Brown Cafe. So at, uh, down in Austin. So we lived down there for a little bit. Um, I guess it's just a, kind of a, just been a, a mix of being exposed to different kinds of sounds um, and living in different places and uh, just having an appreciation for music overall. But I would definitely say that like alternative country, that red dirt uh, singer songwriter stuff, that's definitely my, uh, my favorite. Um, it, I, I, I guess it would be a genre, even though it's so uh, diverse, you know, yeah. 
That's that uh, cross Canadian ragweed did that for me about 15 years ago. And that opened the door for me for Stony LaRue, Wade Bowen. And then, I mean, that Pat Green. So yeah, you're, 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 I, we could talk all day about that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, you'd, you'd fit right in here on this podcast with a couple of hillbillies. And even though you're from <laughs> what, New Jersey, I mean, you sound like you grew up in one of our states. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, we lived in New Jersey until I was three. Um, and then we moved to Trumbull, Connecticut. And, um, yeah, I don't really remember a, a lot of uh, country except for one station up there that was on the radio. But um, the uh, the storytelling, the, the Chris Knight got me. Like I, I was hooked once I once I heard him, mm. and um, that just led to me uh, trying to find as many like artists as I could. And, and even still to this day, I still listen to to Chris Knight a lot. I. Um, that one chance I got to see him play in that really, it was like a really intimate setting. It was a the middle school auditorium. There was probably like 300 people there, 200 people or something like that. Robert O'Keefe came out. He's wearing, uh, he's wearing sweatpants and like New Balance tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, it was great. It was like one of the greatest nights. Um, but yeah, I, I, I play every now and then. Um, my wife isn't really impressed by it anymore. <laughs> and the kids get... You know, like the kids, uh, they don't, um, you know, unless I'm playing something that they, they just heard on the radio, which doesn't necessarily go over that well on like an acoustic guitar. Uh, but I'm hoping to just get back into it a little bit, you know, and when I, when the, the kids get a little bit older, mm. get a little more free time. That's great. That's great. Well, we thank you so much for your time, Charlie. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank thanks you. for your transparency and uh, enjoy watching your pitch and having a great season. Keep it up. And hopefully we can talk to you again sometime. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Our thanks again to Braves pitcher Charlie Morton for joining us here on Behind the Braves. And thanks once again to the great folks at Braves Media Relations for uh, getting that coordinated and getting that all set up. Very much appreciate that. Uh, so, Greg, big, big weekend coming up here at Truist Park. Obviously, hey, we hope we're, uh, we'll are we start this series against the Brewers this weekend really nipping at the heels of the Mets for the division lead. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But regardless, this weekend, uh, huge weekend for us, Tank Aaron weekend at Truist Park. Um, there are I, – I cannot encourage you all enough to come out to the ballpark this weekend. There are – all kinds of great events happening. As a matter of fact, stuff that has already started with community projects and whatnot that have already started as of today. We're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, and then it's all connected to Hank Aaron weekend. Obviously, um, having lost our beloved Hank earlier this year, this the, this particular Hank Aaron weekend carries a lot of significance and extra weight. Um, so I was just looking at the schedule a little while ago for all the things that, that were going to be going on this weekend. It's pretty incredible. The amount of events and projects we're involved with. So highly, highly suggest that you come out. It's, it's, it's very fitting. Uh, it's Braves with the Brewers in town, of course, 
Hank has been a good part of his career with the Milwaukee Braves before they moved here to Atlanta and then ended his career in Milwaukee back with the Brewers. Uh, so it's, it's very fitting and we're really looking forward to a lot of the events. And one of the events we've got going on, as we always do on Sundays, uh, Alumni Sunday, we've got some great guests. Who we got coming this Sunday for Alumni Sunday? Yeah, real excited about Mike Remland. You're coming back for the first time. He was a tremendous relief pitcher back in the mid-2000s. Uh, just dominated. I mean, he was really good. And then along with him, uh, one of our professional hitters, Tom Pachork from the 70s, he'll be here. And, you know, we have a lot of alumni being uh, involved in a lot of the events that are going on. We'll have two alumni, um, Gary Matthews and Marquise Grissom for the Gresham Park ribbon cutting ceremony where we donated new fields for Gresham Park, which we're real excited about. And then I'm doing a clinic along with Gary Matthews and Terry Harper at the Boys and Girls Club here right around the corner in East Cobb, where in Cobb County here, we are donated a new field for them. So we're going to be out there doing a ribbon cutting ceremony for that. And then Gary and Terry and I are going to do a clinic for the kids, do some different stations, hitting and pitching and and uh, base running, that kind of stuff. So a lot of fun. And then Marquise is coming in with Jerry Royster is going to be involved in the Hank Aaron Classic uh, or Hank Aaron Invitational that's going on here over the weekend where they're bringing in some uh, kids who are playing in that event. And they're going to be here at the stadium throwing out the first pitch. And Billy Aaron's going to be here. And so we have a lot of stuff going on throughout the weekend. But real excited about how the alumni are involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I'm going to keep saying it. Um, you know, if you're a Braves fan, you're able to come out this weekend. You need to come out this weekend. It's going to be mm-hmm. a special, special weekend at Truist Park. Um, a lot of people have worked very hard on a lot of these events that we've got going on this weekend. It's all, it's all for in honor of number 44. That's for sure. So uh, definitely come out if you can. And of course, we'll be we'll be posting a lot on Brave social media channels. If you're unable to come, or even if you can, but we'll, in some of these events, you know, you might not be aware of. Uh, be sure to check our social media platforms all weekend because we're going to be posting a lot of things uh, in honor of uh, of Hank and Hank Aaron weekend. Uh, Greg, so we got uh, fantasy camp. You and I were just chit chatting about fantasy camp and me weaseling my way into coming down uh, as much as I can. Uh, so we've got. We're already sold out for the the OG, the original fantasy camp in January, but we still got some slots available for the November edition. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah. If you want to check it out, go to Braves.com slash fantasy camp, November 2nd through the 7th. So I'd love to have you down to, to be a part of that. Awesome. We'll definitely check that out. Uh, if you've listened to us before, you know, obviously this is Greg's one of Greg's big initiatives, big projects that he runs is the Braves fantasy camps. Um, and if you've listened for the last year and a half, you've heard me gush about how much, I, how much fun I had down there. And uh, I can promise you, if you're a big baseball fan, big Braves fan, you will have the time of your life at fantasy mm-hmm. camp. So definitely check that out. All right. Well, I think we've rambled enough for the, this week. The folks have got <laughs> probably gotten their fill of Bubba and Harry for this week. So uh, we'll let you rest until we were, <laughs> until we, we return to your, uh, your your phones, your car speakers, however you listen to us uh, next week. We greatly appreciate you, as always, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, telling your friends and family and fellow Braves fans about us. Very much appreciate it. Uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. 
Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Behind the Braves.